0: a rusty start to this edition of the Grizzden pod. Um, you know, like this we're not in a pandemic anymore, so we're actually more used to being in person than we are virtually, um, which is how me, John Kraft and will Walker will Walker will be coming to you today. hopefully um, audio quality will not be lacking, but we're here to bring you all the freshest takes, all the best content um, that you can imagine, uh, before, uh, we get into what we're hoping to roll through with you today. Uh, I'm sure all of you, as soon as these things drop, um, you're so excited to listen to them that you're also sharing with them with at least 15 of your best friends, um, via SMS, TikTok, whatever the thing, Snapchat, I guess people still do that. Um, Anyway, we would love for you to like, subscribe, follow, share, do the things that one does when they are obsessed with uh, podcast content like this one because uh, we'd love to continue to reach more people um, and, sh- and obviously have all of our takes just hit the masses because they're amazing and our banter is next to none. Um, so Anyway, I'm really glad to be back with the Grizzden Pod crew. I feel like it's been at least like three months since I've been with you. I don't know if that's actually true, um, but I'm glad to be back. Some vacation schedules and personal time off has kept me away from you, Will and John. But guys, just from the upfront, how are you guys doing? How was your Sunday today?
1: Sunday was great. This is a free agency edition of the Grizzden Pod. It's really exciting because we have some actual actual stuff to talk about this time around if you listen to our last podcast which was the live draft reaction luckily we had a big trade that we hadn't yet discussed on the podcast or else that podcast would have been about five minutes long uh because the grizzlies didn't do a whole lot but they have so far uh made an impact in free agency and i'm excited to unpack that for with you guys and the sunday so far has been great
2: yeah craft how you doing buddy I'm doing good. I'm hoping to bring uh, even hotter takes, hotter than uh, the the outside Memphis weather right now, because uh, I, I got thoughts, especially when we get to other Western Conference teams. But um, I am excited. Uh, yeah, it was the the draft was a little bit of anticlimactic, um, so I'm looking forward to talking about some some moves we've made.
0: Yeah, there's there's some things to talk about, and um, you listeners um, on the upfront, I'm sure you can see in the little podcast notes all the sweet stuff that we're going to talk about. But we're going to hit the grizz on top. Uh, we're going to come from the top rope and just talk through all of the things. There's some extensions. There's some trades. There's actually some things, um, you know, some lexicon like a trade exception. Like, what does that mean? What does that do for us? We're going to break all that down for you and give you our opinions on what that sort of means for the rest of this offseason. We're also going to let Kraft and Will just just bring all of the things for you in terms of what's happening in the NBA right now across the, the, the whole league, but also maybe even give you some specific opinions on the Western Conference but, and how that may have an impact on the Grizzlies in this season and maybe the next couple of seasons even, um, before we just maybe talk a little bit of general trades for the rest of of the podcast, but to, to kick us off, guys, um, Desmond Bain just got paid. Uh, if you have been living under a Grizzlies rock, um, which I really hope you haven't, um, but if you have, then you will be hearing for the first time that Desmond Bain has agreed to a five-year, $207 million contract extension with your Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and, you know, Bain is 25 years old, so, and that contract basically locks him up through the 28th, 29 season y'all that is a bag that is a max extension um and i guess i'm curious will how do you feel about that how do you feel about the max extension that the grizzlies just gave desmond Vane?
1: yeah i'll be honest with you guys um i was a little shocked when the number came out and you gotta it's it's worth noting that when when these things are reported initially on the very first day by Woj or Shams or Chris Haynes or what have you, they are always going to be tweeting out the most player-favorable number every time. A lot of that is because they're getting their information from agents. And and you've seen the trend now where they're actually tagging agents in almost every single one of these tweets when a, when a contract is agreed to. It's this really interesting trend that's happened over the course of the last three, four years. And they're not trying to hide it anymore. Like Everybody knows what's happening. Uh, That's how they're getting their information. And so part of me is uh, staying woke on this contract because I want to see what are going to be the final terms. And by the way, right now, July 1st through 6th, we're in what's called the NBA moratorium. And that means that contracts can be agreed to, but they are not signed and processed until July 6th this just gives a little bit of dead time for things to happen. Well, if, if the, because we're going to get to this in a, in a later deal that happened, but these deals have, have a, um, a way of combining with each other to make things larger transactions and folding things in. But to back backtrack just a bit to Bain's contract extension, he got the full 25% max for five years. My biggest questions are number one, does the two hundred and seven million dollar total number include incentives? And number two is anything? Is it? Are there any options on the end of this contract? Usually, they'll report a player option because that's favorable to the player, and so you'll see that in the initial tweet most of the time. Uh, we didn't see that, so I don't know if you have even. I mean, I doubt there'd be any sort of non-guarantee at the end, but is there some sort of team option? It's it's one of these things that there's still a lot of questions, but. Let's just say, for the purpose of conversation, that this is the full number. I think it is more than I thought the Grizzlies would be willing to pay for a shooting guard who, yes, is one of the most efficient shooting guards, shooting guards in the league. He's been underpaid for a while, um, and he's obviously important to our culture. I would never suggest that we shouldn't give him a ton of money. All that said, this is still a lot for uh, a shooting guard in a league that uh, is trending towards size and, and defense as being really important elements to have on your team and your best, best players. And so uh, I'll, I'll also say, and then I'll let Kraft go because I know I'm talking for a while here, the thing that has, I guess, made it a little bit more uh, palatable for me is the fact that John Morant did not qualify for all NBA this past offseason and therefore we are saving about 7 million dollars a year on, on Jaw's contract or what it would have been if if the All NBA nod w- would have triggered the uh, next level up from from the extension so he's making you know 5 for 194 job ja is making five for 194-ish instead of five for 231. So in my mind, if I'm taking that $40 million that Ja would have made and just transferring it over to Bain and saying to myself, okay, we would have been paying these two guys this net amount anyway, then that makes it a little bit more digestible for me. So I gave you all the range of emotions. I still think it's a tiny bit too much. I wanted like five for 175 in a perfect world. But here we are. Congrats to Desmond yep. Bain. We have locked up a piece of our future, and it's the largest contract in Grizzlies history.
0: Kraft, before you go, there's there's one thing that I just want to, like, um, whoever wants to take this and explain it to the listeners. I'd love for, like, Will, You this has been something that I think has been out there a little bit more. Uh, this year, I haven't noticed it historically, which is why I'm bringing it up, but the news cycle seems to be mentioning that 25% max more so than they have in the past. Would you just explain a little bit what does that mean before we hear Kraft's opinions on the deal itself?
1: Yeah, so there are some players, let, let's use Brandon Clark for an example. He signed a four-year deal, and I think, I can't do the math all in my head, but he's making 12 and a half per year. And it's a flat, just 12 and a half each year. Maybe it's 12, I can't remember. But when you do a max extension, max extensions are percentages against the cap. And so they're basically just determined by what the cap this coming season is 136 million. And so when you do the math on that, that's where you'll get 25% of that number is what Desmond Bain's gonna end up making. And so that's where, and, and I shouldn't say, this season because, and it is going to be 136 this season. And Desmond Bain, actually his, his extension doesn't kick until the following. So it's actually going to be 25% of whatever the following year's number is, but that's, that's how it works. And that's why Jaws supermax designation would have gone, taken his 25% contract and bumped it up to 30% per year, and so that's that's kind of the differences in how these contracts are are calculated, and so it's important to remember it's 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 going to be different from 207 million when it's all said and done, but that's just a that's proxy right. for how we've been estimating what the cap's going to look like for the next five years. Because for yes.
0: instance, like the other rookie that we signed that we extended last year, Brandon Clark is Jaron Jackson Jr. Where he didn't get a percent of the cap in within his contract, which is just a very, to me, like all of that detail and understanding, sort of how we extended, you know, the core three players. It's very fascinating to think about to me on what's happened with John Bain versus. You know, the steal of a deal that we got with Triple J, who does not have that, um, uh, you know, percentage kicker that's going to escalate over time. I'm sure there's, there's times where we'll be able to extend him and maybe that would happen, but at least for a year
2: or two, we don't have to worry about that necessarily. Yeah, and he gets, and he gets to have a descending deal. Like we, we signed him to a descending contract where he makes less every year um, during that contract, which is very nice because we have two players who have ascending <laughs> contracts. You know, slightly in their maxes, and so, so it's like it's a helpful. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a very weird world because in a sense we got uh, we got fortunate in that both Jaron and Jaw, due to different circumstances, Jaron with injuries and Jaw uh, by not making All NBA, basically didn't get paid probably what the market uh, what they should what they should be getting paid. And yet Bain is getting probably, I mean, I would argue, I know, uh, I would argue he is getting paid what he should get paid. Uh, I know that we would have liked it to be a little lower. Um, I know Will feels that way. I feel very good about that. Uh, But also, just want to say, because I've seen on Twitter, I know a lot of people are, like, thrown by the fact that he's making more than job. But that's just how it works, because the salary cap is going to be bigger when when, uh, Bain signs his max compared to last year, you know, when Joss, or, you know, thinking about this year compared to next year. So basically it's like when you sign the contract that's when those max numbers are uh, come through and so it's just basically you know inflation other things the cap going up uh, one reason why I'm not as worried about the Bain situation is just because I all signs point to the new TV contract in a couple years continuing to increase the salary cap the new CBA has it to where it can go up to ten percent every year uh, and I was listening to Zach Lowe talked about how you know that looks like uh, you know, 190 to 200 million dollars in the cap uh, towards the end of Bain's contract. And so, while 40, you know, 43, 44 million dollars sounds like a lot, uh, when the cap is 190, 200, it won't feel as bad uh, as it does right now. Um, and I just, I do think that we've decided as a team that we have three guys. Everybody else is expendable. And we're going to take care of our core three guys. And for three more years, we have Jaren on a really good deal. Uh, But I assume when that is up, uh, we're going to have three players making max money. And that's probably going to continue. And you see what the Warriors are dealing with now, uh, where they have uh, guys that are old, um, and Clay and Draymond, and they're having to pay them a lot of money. Um, I think over market value, honestly. Um, And obviously Steph, who I think is making what he should make. Uh, But that's just what... What happens when you choose your core? And we've chosen these three guys. Another just sort of weird little note. Before you go into this for just one yeah, yeah. second,
0: I just want to clarify because I, I'm, I'm not the contract dude. I'm relying on y'all, and I'm, I'm speaking for people in this scenario. My understanding, so I'm hoping to be wrong, was that if like the cap goes up in three years, Bane's twenty five percent. He's getting twenty five percent of that cap amount. It can, it can go above and beyond. So meaning, like, if the cap goes up, we don't really. The relief is more in the fact that the deals that we've created now, not on Bain and Jaw. Is that incorrect?
1: Quick editor's note here. When we recorded this, I on the fly did not give the exact correct answer. And so I wanted to come back around and give that answer to you. Essentially, when a player signs a max extension for 25% of the cap or even 30% of the cap, then that 25% is calculated in the base year of the deal. So Desmond Bain's 25% number will be calculated before the 24-25 season. And then from there, he will receive 8% raises off of that number each year for the following four years. And so once that 25% is calculated one time, then there are 8% raises each year. And so if the cap goes up more than 8%, then really the grizzlies get more room uh, to work with so when you hear us referring to the 25% or you know 50% of the cap with both jaw and bane just know that it only matters in their base year of each extension for jaw that is actually this year and bane's is next
2: yeah, so I, yeah. I appreciate that, Brantley, because I think – I should instead of saying 40 million or whatever, I should have said 25% of whatever. That like it's really 50% when cap, you think about
0: John Bain together, right? It's right, like we're, right. We have well, 50% and technically, of our cap committed right. to two people, which and, you is know, the Grizzlies franchise is really entering into this for the first time,
2: right? right. Another, we've had these and types of players. And another interesting note is you can only – under our CBA, you can only have two guys on these uh, max extensions cup, coming off of rookie contracts. So if Jaron had been on this max and we'd signed Jaw to the max, we could not have given Bain uh, the max. And so that's like, you know, so it's a very weird uh, deal. I've, Will obviously has another CBA thing here. Just
1: one more yeah, note too. Ahead, Will. When yeah. it is 25% of the cap, remember, the NBA is a soft cap. So we're saying that, that cap number there's also room baked into re-signing your guys that aren't max players and you're able to go over that cap number. So even though it is 25%, it's not as if the Grizzlies only have the other, you know, 50% yeah. of the cap to use. They have actually more through right. different exceptions and things, which we'll get into with some other players. Uh, right. So so
2: when, so John Bain are not, are not going to make it because we're assuming we're going to go in the tax in a year. When these contracts kick in, they're not going to actually be making 50%, uh, of the, the payroll team, of the payroll, the total team is uh, just
0: the soft cap, right. yeah, which is a great well, clarification. That,
2: yeah, you know, and with that, I will say, I mean, and people might roll their eyes at me. I was very nervous, you know, because you see Halliburton and uh, Lamelo got had the two sixty one number, which again is not saying they're going to make two sixty one. It's saying if they get the super escalators, which would be making all NBA, being an MVP, that they would get. You know, what we were worried about jaw happening. I was very nervous about that, honestly, because of the new 65-game thing. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, yes, there's a lot of really good guards in the NBA. But let's say a bunch of them don't hit the 65-game mark. Bain plays really, really well um, in a season where Jaw's going to miss 25 games. His usage rate is really high. And he sneaks into third-team All-NBA, and he's making 261. And that would be a huge issue for us. And so at least we negotiated off- the super escalator clause uh, just so that I don't have to be weirdly wanting Bane to be awesome, but not that awesome, uh, which is a weird thing that the new CBA has put fans into. But but that was just, that's one thing we did negotiate down. I assume, like Will said, we'll know when the moratorium's over. Uh, I assume there's going to be some incentives, you know, games played, other things uh, in there. I'm hoping. So we'll see. I'm, I'm assuming that.
1: Because, I mean, I again, I, I just like to, to take it from 360 degrees here, if you think about our core three and everybody in the league, I mean, I'm convinced now after uh, the last few seasons that health has just as much to do with, with championships than any other factor, including talent. And when you think about our three players, you have Ja, who plays like he plays. You have Jaron who has a history of injuries. And now you have Bain, who has this lingering back issue and then had to also get this turf toe surgery. It's kind of like all three have this risk baked in. None of them are, you know, gladiators like Jokic seems to be, which is fine. And they'll, they'll. I have full confidence that our franchise is going to Jokic do what is it a takes.
0: cyborg, though.
1: Yeah, he, they're going to do what it takes, though, from just a, a pacing, rest, recuperation standpoint for these guys. And I think like jobbing ja out twenty five games might help in this respect or, uh, for the long term but that is the other part in the back of my my back of my mind where i'm just like a little you know we knew these bills were coming due but now that they're actually here it's kind of like all right we got to hope that this is going to work from a health perspective just as much as anything else so um, but I, all that to say i'm glad we have them locked up i'm glad it's not a bad negotiation i'm glad that they got it done as early as they did i was convinced that it was also going to take about a week to to really hammer out all the details uh, but they got it done. Yeah, both John yeah. Bain,
2: uh, you know, 1201 Eastern, both contracts announced uh, two years in a row. Seemingly, again, we don't, not 100%, but like kind of, you kind of sniff around some of the reports. Neither one having a player option in, in year five, it looks like. So in that sense, I just think it's a good thing for the Grizzlies. And if you've been a Grizzlies fan a long time, you know that there were years when everybody always expected people to leave the Grizzlies That we were a place that you know that if stars wouldn't want to stay, and it seems like we're really doing a great job of keeping the guys we want to keep. So,
0: and I, I, I I sort of, I've sort of been navigating the conversation. I'll just, I'll say it this way: I was sort of surprised. I, I I didn't necessarily know a number in my mind that I was thinking. However, I, I wasn't thinking max contract necessarily. I think I just was sort of thinking like, hey, we kind of got this this triple J deal. Um, he's clearly shown his value. Uh, I think Bain had kind of felt like he was on the line, that it wasn't like going to be a specifically a max. Uh, this isn't anything about the player. I, I love Bain. I love everything about him. Um, I love his demeanor, his posture, his grit, his arms, his shoulders. I don't, you know, his game. I love it all. You know, like from day one, I mean, you you know, this was pre-Craft being a part of the crew, but, like, it was very apparent to me that he had it. From the very beginning, I'm fairly confident. We were all on record saying that he had it, but, like, particularly in that first-round playoff matchup against the Jazz, like, you just knew that he he had it. He was going to be able to bring it. And I still am, like, Whoa, it's really on now for the franchise. This is, we're really kind of, we've been talking, when we started this podcast, we were all, it was kind of about getting to this moment, to me, where it's like, where you start to lock up this young core, and you've got such an investment in them, to where now it's like, this is, regardless of like, getting into whether it's the players' windows or not, but we're really kind of now turning into, is this this team's window it's it's kind of getting there financially to where it's a got it's about to be these guys core and us surrounding them to succeed and it's really going to be push come to shove in that instance soon which is I, I think it's really starting the third act of the frame of this like young grit you know, next gen uh, pieces to where. Man, I, I'm I'm really going to be fascinated to see how they step up in the midst of the drama and certain things like that. But it's, so it's, this is less about Bane to me and more about just sort of the investment that we've got in the three pieces and how it really is. It's now it's them. It's, 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 it's up to those guys and us surrounding the pieces around them based on the cash and the investments that we put in them.
2: I'd also say just that Bane... You know he he does in a in a way similar to Jaron honestly, but that fits that culture, the work ethic, the you know every high school uh, basketball coach in Memphis knows Bain because he <laughs> he yeah. borrows their keys to come and shoot. You know all those stories, uh, bringing you know bringing young players with him to show how many shots he puts up a day. That those sort of things, I do think it, it's a big uh, this guy. Uh, it's, it's, it's our franchise saying this guy really matters. And also, you know, I think this is, this is the first time that these next couple years are where we're going to really see is Perry going to go into the tax and because he's going to, (laughs) I mean, if we want to be, you know, this is, this is what happens. I mean, now it's going to be about how do we stay under certain aprons, uh, you know, kind of with, with a lot of people seeing the second apron as sort of in a sort of hard cap. Um, and us staying under that, but being in the tax, and this is this is when it's gonna we're gonna see that not this year, but in the coming years we're gonna be a tax team. And what does that mean? And and it'll be interesting to see. But you know, at the end of the day, every almost every major pundit, uh, we we got no complaints from anybody that we gave him the max. Most people were expecting the max. Most people were saying if we got anything less than the max, it would be a home run uh, signing. And so in that sense, you know, I'm I'm pleased.
1: One other note I'll make, and I've tweeted this out, is regardless of what the Grizzlies did, let's just say besides the Bane extension, regardless of what they did past that, 13 out of the 15 players that are on our roster right now, or 12 out of the 15 are under 30, under 28, actually. Only two, and now three with Derrick Rose, are in what I would consider to be their quote-unquote prime. And we know that Derrick Rose has passed his prime, so he's kind of out of this conversation. But really, only Marcus Smart and Steven Adams are in their quote-unquote prime, which I would consider to be age 28 to 30. Everybody else is under that number. When you look ahead at when these contracts are expiring for our core three, they will all still be 30 years old or younger. So that, just to put in perspective, when all of these are expired... That's how they're old they're going to be. And that's, you know, we. it's too early to talk second contract yet unless you're maybe talking about Jaron because this is going to expire sooner than the others. But we still have a really, really young core. And that's, really, that's exciting. Even though we've already arrived and it seems like we have been here since the end of 2019 and we've seen the progression of drafting these guys and seeing them develop, seeing them sign their big second contracts. And even with all of that, we have hopefully yet another 10 years with them. So,
0: Yeah. Which that longevity piece is nuts. Is there anything, any final thoughts on, on the Bane thing? I hope I'm not coming across too negative. I'm, I'm you know, he's had such a, a great story that has been very well documented in terms of his recruitment up until now, which is, it totally fits with the city and, and all the types of things that we love about sort of the connective tissue with the franchise and sort of, the, the, the Memphis culture, again, I just was sort of just saying that my own emotions, I was just a little bit surprised. <clears throat> well, I'm there's good. nothing else. It, 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 it just makes me so happy to say that we have gotten some positive news in terms of my boy Dylan Brooks and um, him. Uh, it seems to be confirmed, even though it's you know not like signed in blood. Uh, not to be on the Memphis Grizzlies roster um, next year. You know, we had gotten all of those leaks, which I did, um, you know, my best silliness, I guess you would say, in terms bringing of, it in sync of back. Integri- bringing in NSYNC and bye-bye-bye. But um, if you haven't seen the news, the Rockets plan to, to acquire Dylan through a sign-and-trade which is generating a, a significant trade exception, which I'll let, um, you know, uh, Kraft, maybe you take the lead on sort of what that means potentially um, for us the rest of this offseason. Um, part of the leak from Adrian Wojanowski, or the news, if you will, um, was that we also would be getting um, Josh Christopher back. Um, and there's been lots of speculation, I think, about um, what that would be. Um, it seems like the early indicators is that our trade exception would be for around 11.4 million. Um, for what we could use in type of transactions. Um, and Dylan Brooks's deal has been worth four years, $80 million with the Houston Rockets. I, for one, um, will have zero emotion when he returns to Memphis. Um, and Honestly, just hope he doesn't murder one of our players. I'm sure it will be – maybe it will be happy. I honestly just hope he doesn't get booed. I hope it's – you know, he had a great great time. I just hope he kind of gets a cheer. I hope there's no silly video. That would be dumb. Um, Maybe there can be like a Dylan Brooks hair game or something like that. Oh, there's for sure going to be a video. There will
1: be a video. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I can't wait to talk about how dumb that is. It's going to um, be jazz highlights
2: from three years Yeah.
0: So the one highlight that he had, we can, we can show it. Maybe they'll actually show him pushing um, you know, Gary Payton Jr. in that, and yelling at, at Draymond. That would be awesome. Actually. That, I actually would like that as the heel. If they just showed all of his heel moments and that's all they did. I hope someone from the Grizzlies marketing department is listening to me. That would be awesome. Show no basketball highlights, only show the way that he was a heel. It would be brilliant. I'd be really excited about it. Anyway, he's not on our team. Kraft, what do you? What would you care to talk about in terms of yeah, trade so exception he's, or Dylan not being there, etc.?
2: Yeah, so the first thing I would say, in, in a way, kind of like congrats all around. Uh, Dylan bet on himself. He did not take the extension. Uh, You know, despite the way his uh, his playoffs ended and all the uproar, uh, it looks like he obviously made a good decision not taking, you know, an alleged extension offer for like sixty one, sixty two million that the Grizzlies were able to offer him. He turned that down. And I think that's a good thing for him. And it's also a great thing for the Grizzlies as someone who is ready to move on uh, from Dylan Brooks, as I think all of us were at the end of the playoffs. And so he bet on himself. He got a team to pay him, uh, you know. And it's the market is what you what a team will pay you. So he got four for eighty. I think that's good. I'm glad. I would be outraged if we if we were paying him four eighty. I would I would not have been happy. Uh, I just would want to use our money differently. I think the fact that we have Marcus Smart on a better contract than that uh, makes Marcus Smart even better in in retrospect. And uh, like we improved that position. In um, those minutes for less money. So that's that's pretty great for us. Uh, as far as, you know, I don't, I'm somebody, we, part of it is because of, like you said, the moratorium, because of the crazy, uh, all the different trades going on, you know, people aren't inking deals yet for six days to see if they can move all these things, sign trades around. So we don't totally know how it's going to shape out. I don't expect at this point, um, like I don't think Josh Christopher, if he's even on the team, uh you know, I don't expect him to really be in the plans. I don't know if we'll bring him into training camp. Who knows what will happen with that. Uh, but I think the main reason we did a sign-and-trade was uh, for a trade exception, a trade player exception. And uh, Will might have the, you know, more originals I think you threw out some numbers. I mean, basically, I'll just try to simplify it as just that this allows us um, to not just have uh, Dylan's you know, salary that's able to be traded just totally disappear, like we're losing him for nothing, which really hurts a team as far as being able to trade when you're over the cap. Uh, but it allows us to have some money with which uh, to use in trades or to take back a contract. Basically, at the end of the day, to simplify, it just, it makes our ability to, to make trades happen just a little bit easier. And and also potentially to collect just some assets from people to give them that money, our cap money to use in trades. And this is what I think is going to happen with all these multi-team trades. And I don't, and so it could end up, we use it uh, with, there's some big names out there like name Lillard, Harden. Um, I know Cat is still in some trade rumors and these are teams that are trading huge contracts and are going to need people with trade exceptions to come help them out. And so, you know, at the very least, maybe we can grab some second round picks out of it. I don't know. Uh, but it's hard. It's still so murky. But that's just basically what we're doing. I think the good news was we didn't re-sign Dylan. Um, good for him on getting more money than we could give him um, in the extension. And And we didn't just lose him for absolutely nothing. It looks like we might be able to have some kind of trade help, trade exception coming out of
1: it. This is a huge deal for the Grizzlies. I remember back when it was reported that they weren't going to bring him back under any circumstances. That, to me the part that I was frustrated about with that report, not saying that it came from the Grizzlies. We dealt with that uh, in the podcast at the time of the report, but it was that we just gave up all the leverage in my mind to make something like this happen to where, okay, you don't want Dylan back, but you don't have to completely uh, punt this, this asset. Why not just flip it forward and let's continue to move it. And, and Mm -hmm. I remember earlier in the summer, uh, you know, it was the anniversary of our Conley trade, we are still getting the dividends from that Conley trade. It's actually nuts. If we were to, let's say, trade Luke Kennard in the next year or two, that would still be a continuation of that first Conley trade. And so it's you never know how far these things can actually take you. And if as you continue to flip as well, uh, you will see how Dylan's salary could actually be used in a larger trade that Kraft alluded to, which we could be folded into one of these deals where there's, you know, 10 players and all these players, at least their salaries, have to find a home somewhere. And we can now be a player in that space for the next few days. And that's exciting. And I think the other part of this that I didn't expect, I didn't expect Houston to have to play ball. And we're going to talk about Houston later on when we get to the NBA teams that have massively transformed themselves here in this offseason. I didn't expect Houston to want to get rid of some of their younger players because that's really the reason why this happened is because they had too many players and wanted to. they had to move on from one of their uh, younger projects that they thought, I guess, wasn't panning out like they wanted it to. They sent us Josh Christopher. We did them a favor in that scenario, or else they would have just had to cut him and eat that salary. And so instead, they can send it back to us, and uh, we get that trade exception. And so I think this is, this is actually really good business. It also shows you that, uh, regardless of emotions at the end of the day this is a business and when you actually sit down to make these deals happen you have to put emotion to the side uh, and you have to do what's best for both parties and so I think Houston probably you know Dylan Brooks was not a midnight signing you I think Houston probably wanted to do a bunch of other things that ended up not happening for them and this is why Dylan at the end of it all ends up the big winner but also the Grizzlies are probably the secondary winner in this whole scenario as well so I'm I'm super intrigued by what this is going to be. This is one of those deals that we're going to be revisiting because we're going to see what the final terms are, and it could be a lot bigger than it is right now.
0: Yeah, and I guess I'll just say like there was some news, I guess, after or some quotes after the smart transaction by Kleiman that made it seem like we were done-ish, whether that was strategic, whether that was honesty at the time, whether that was posturing, I mean, maybe some weird combination of all of it. Um, because to me, like I guess when I first heard that news, I guess last night, when that was when this when the trade exception broke, this is Sunday night, yeah, Saturday night, was oh, we're not done. Now, maybe maybe that's not gonna be like before the season starts. Maybe that's something that we can chip in later. But craft I my head immediately went to or maybe it was Will. It was like all the players that are left. Both of y'all are talking about all these players that are left. Like to me, there's a there's still the movement really hasn't happened yet. We've we got a couple deals that happened pre-draft. Thus, I know that there has been some signings that have occurred. But some of the big big movers that are rumored, where there's going to have to be some, I think, finagling between multiple franchises to make some some all the puzzle pieces work. We have. Uh, demonstrated ourselves in the past with some of these franchises, by the way. We've, we've made transactions with Philly. We've been in some Miami deals before. Like it's not crazy to think that some of those relations that relational equity that was developed you know three to four years ago is still in place that we're able to maybe add something back in and I'm, that I know that we have a quote unquote full roster. But maybe now we're kind of in that scenario where if you want to use our trade exception, we need to you need to take this contract off of us. We would like to have this type of player back in return or a pick back in order for it to be in play. I sort of feel like that there are lots of potential options and other suitors that might come calling saying we need you to be at the table to make this thing work. What do you want in order to get it back? And I sort of feel like it's not going to be draft equity. We have plenty of draft equity right now, unless if we just need to like bundle it together to go get another player, but that just sort of feels like maybe the wrong use case for where we are right now. That's just my opinion without having done all the breakdown in an Excel spreadsheet, which I'm sure Will has done like seven times over, and I'd love for him to tell me about his VLOOKUPs to prove where I'm right or wrong.
1: Well, I think the important thing to remember about the trade, trade exception is that it's valid for one year, and so this we can keep in our back pocket through the trade deadline. So, in that sense, we can bring back a little bit more because of this trade exception than we would have without it. Uh, the other thing here, too, you mentioned draft equity. A lot of times when you have these exceptions, you know, sometimes you're getting paid to be folded into deals because they wouldn't be able to get it done otherwise. It, we've seen the reverse already happen with us with Marcus Smart. We actually paid to really upgrade in that in a in a deal that wouldn't have happened without us. That's unique and then I think you could also see it happening again where there there's a let's say a mid-sized salary that needs to be moved to make matching work in one of these larger deals and we actually pay some draft ac- equity to get in the mix on one of these players. I have no I don't even want to speculate on who that could be because we don't know where Harden and Lillard are going to go yet, but all I'm going to say is it's going to be surprising if it does happen. Oh, uh, you're not going to
0: get off that easy, Will. Like, let's just for fun. Like, if Dame is in the trade and they need us at the table and we get to pick in in that middle, in that middle ground of those types of players, who's somebody, you and Kraft both, this is the know, fun I'll, stuff. I'll, Who would you I'll take? I'll throw out from?
2: this. I'll throw out, let me see if the math works. But I mean, the Nets are a team that we've been talking about for a long time that has a lot of, a lot of wings. And, you know, let's say they need us to make, to make a deal happen for them, for the Nets to get Dame, for instance. Well, then we got a trade exception. We also got a lot of contracts that can make things work, like a contract for a Zaire Williams that we could throw in there. And so with that and a contract, you know, with that and a trade exception, you know, who knows, and honestly, throwing some picks, because now now that the draft's over, we can actually get rid of our pick next year, which we couldn't. You know, we had to give them the Golden State pick. Uh and so we have all our first-round picks going forward. So we can, we can do things. I don't know if that, that makes sense, but it's just like we can, enter, we can enter with a lot of stuff that we have. Because, hey, Net, you know, hey, team, that you want the Miami Heat. Nets, y'all want Dame. Y'all don't have a lot of first-round picks. Guess who has a lot of first-round picks? We do. We also have a trade exception now. We also have a lot of little contracts that you might need to help make something work. And now let's play ball. You know, I mean, do, do we want a Caleb Martin? Do we, you know, I mean, DFS might be is probably untouchable at this point, but like that's the kind of stuff where we can go in and and start to you know mess around with things.
1: Yeah, you 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 took the one that I was going to say, which is Caleb Martin, mainly because what I was looking at was Miami, Brooklyn, actually L.A. Clippers. I'll say this for them as well, like Marcus Morris, Robert Covington. That I'm looking at guys that don't have a ton of money promised to them after this season because we're also – we still have the tax concerns for next year. So I would think about, you know, guys that either don't have any money and just have this one year that and they might have a mid-sized contract or they have a partial guarantee, team option, those types of things. Caleb Martin fits the bill for that. If it's DFS, then you don't care because he's a wing that you've been looking for for a while. But if it's Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, they don't have any money after this year. So – that's a great example. And they're making 17 and 11 respectively. So, like, that's a, that's a pretty good size for salary matching. And we could use their services for this year and then be done if we don't, if we don't uh, you know, and, we don't profit off of it.
2: And, like I said, this, we have this for a year. So, we have trade deadline, we have uh, post playoffs next year. We have a, a lot of time where teams are going uh, to, st- superstars are going to ask out. There's going to be movement, and we have this thing to. We have all our assets, first-round picks. We have a lot of tradable assets. We now have a trade exception, um, so we didn't just, in a sense, lose. We we basically kind of got back some of this cap space uh, to now use to help teams maneuver and then see. And, and like you said, we we used it to make another two teams needed to make a trade happen. We basically were like, "Hey, you can use us." And we'll even throw in some picks, but you got to give us market smart. It was able to happen, and so you know we and I and you can tell our front office stays very involved in what's happening with all the teams, and they love to pounce. So,
1: yeah, Nick Batum's another one as well. Yeah.
2: So I guess just to close, I heard a cut. Co- you know,
0: it sounds like more. Will you're sort of speculating that we could potentially be in the mix on using this trade exception for a player that doesn't have a, a, a big long term commitment? You you don't really see the franchise using it on someone that you know still has called three years left on their deal. Um, that definitely like uh, begins to make the the uh, the type of player that we get back in return, uh, uh, there's a lot smaller in that pool, I guess you would say. Um, and I guess just last thing in closing, do y'all think that we use this sort of call it in this summer period or that we kind of use it towards the trade deadline this year? Quick thoughts.
1: I would probably say summer because – Again, going back to I don't think we want a ton of financial commitment after this season, and I think that you don't see a ton of those, you know, just pure expirings happen in the trade deadline where the team getting the expiring actually wants to use that player for what they're worth in the playoffs. Usually at that point in time, you're looking at buyouts and then signing buyout guys. So I would say those these deals for, for the guys that I'm describing happen – usually for the full season, so you could take advantage. That would be my expectation. Uh, if they don't end up using the trade exception this off season, you look at the data from trade exceptions in the past, and really, I mean, 80% of the time they end up going unused for the reason I just said. So, yeah, that's what, if they're going to use it, I'm hoping they use it this off season or can use it.
0: All right, Kraft, you agree, seeing some, some affirmative nods there.
2: I do, um, and maybe we'll get more if, depending on how uh, summer league goes, and some other things, we might get more excited and more uh, aggressive about using it before the season starts too. Uh, you know, depending on how uh, some of our players look in summer league, uh, you know, so so. But I do. I, I think you know. I would love to have it sooner than later. Obviously, I just think. I just want to say, like for fans, if we don't use it that doesn't mean, like, we still have time to use it. That's all I was trying to say. But I think, you know, that's the hope. I, I know our front office, I know we, we did have the, um, you know, we did make a couple trades, uh, have made a couple trade deadline trades. But we, li- we like to have our team at the beginning of the season, for sure.
0: Um, guys, another signing or transaction, I guess, that occurred this past week was, um, uh, it was announced that Derek Rose, um, former Memphis basketballer, um, and um, you know, I guess big probably has a big following here in this city. I don't know. Maybe might sell a basketball jersey or two once he gets a Grizzlies um, rose um, jersey. Um, it was announced that he would be signing a two-year, six-point-five million-dollar contract with the Grizzlies. Um, and i you know, I'm not gonna lie. I got just as much action on this signing as I did Marcus Smart from just from friends just asking, "What do you think about this thing?" Um, and I'll just say it this way. This to me just I like... Sm- for Tiger Town came out. Yeah, yeah, Tiger. I mean, it just, this just smells like mentorship signing to me. I don't, maybe he really will have an impact. I do think he could be someone that you might can trust in some spot minutes in a playoff series. He's been there before. Um, I'm not really spe- expecting a ton, a ton from him on the court from a production perspective, but maybe he's someone that can have a voice and can help, you know, say a struggling point guard who who, who might recognize um, a, a former star player um, with elite athleticism. But guys, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What, what have you thought, Will, specifically about this signing?
1: Guys, I hated this signing. <laughs> I hate. Was
0: not expecting
2: that.
1: Sounds Here's sounds like it sounds like an Ole Miss fan, not a Memphis fan,
2: coming out and you
1: listen. <laughs> love the Memphis ties. This reeks of Chris Wallace to me. Yeah uh, it's it's gimmicky. I get we need to mentor our young point guard, but I'm sorry. if you really have to use an in very important 15th roster spot where you still have a lot of youth on this roster and and could use a veteran that can actually play, I'm listen. Derek Rose has had moments. He's had moments in the past few years. He's a solid vet. I don't doubt the mentorship is going to be there, and I am grateful for that. At the same time, I think we could have found a mentor, sh- mentor for Ja in this capacity without signing them to the active roster, much less signing them for two years. This is another one where I want to – I want to say, you know, there's hopefully a heavy chance that the second year is either not guaranteed at all or it's a team option or what have you. But if this deal goes a full guaranteed two years, it is, I'm telling you, this is this is a bad move. And it's because I, we keep harping on the tax that's going to happen next year. Let's just say you fully guarantee Derrick Rose's salary. He's not on the team because we're going to waive him after next season. You're, you're now going to have $5 million that you're spending on players that aren't on your roster, and Kennedy Chandler and Derrick Rose, where both of them are connected to Ja in some way. Both of them can't shoot. They're great athletes, but this team needs desperately needs shooting. And when you get into the tax and you're over the line, those two salaries, that $5 million, you're going to actually be spending a total of 15 when you talk about the whole tax outlay because it's $2 per dollar that you you spent over the tax line. And so I'm just saying, like this, this seems super small. And I know that, you know, teams use the 15th roster spot all the time for, you know, things that aren't basketball. But for what this team needs, I just really didn't love seeing a, a guard who can't stay on the floor because of health issues and can't shoot be who we picked. And I'll also give you a list of eight other signings that happened this offseason that I would have rather seen on the Grizzlies than what we saw in Derrick Rose. Number one, Seth Curry. He signed with the Mavericks for two years, $9.2 million. We have our full non-taxpayer mid-level level exception. We could have gone up to $12 million for one year. I don't doubt that Seth Curry would have taken a larger payday to come over to Memphis. And by the way, his last name's Curry. Yeah, he can shoot too. Jalen McDaniels, two years, $9.2 million with the Toronto Raptors. Jalen McDaniels is a young wing who has not yet gotten an opportunity to really prove himself. I would have loved a testing ground. Make it hard for Zaire and David Roddy and Jake Laravia. Make it it a competition, please. Bring in another guy. Patty Mills, one year, $6.8 million. He can shoot. He can shoot, and in a pinch, he can play your backup point guard and Lord knows we've been killed by Patty Mills over the years, so it would have been nice to have him on our team. Jay Crowder, oh, yeah, another mentor that Ja had his rookie year. He signed with the Bucks, and it's going to be for the veteran minimum, probably less than what Derrick Rose is making. O'Shea Brissett signed with the Boston Celtics, two-year, $4.5 million, another wing. Shake Milton, a combo guard, two years, $10 million. Yuta Wananabe, oh, yeah, he was a Grizzly as well. He signed for one year, $2 million with the Phoenix Suns, and the last one was Damian Lee, who can also stroke – and he signed for 2 years 4 million dollars with the Phoenix Suns okay i get that some of these guys are going to want to sign with a contender but i just i just thought there's eight guys right there that you could have paid at least double what they're making and we just chose not to do it we chose to sign the hometown guy who can maybe be a mentor for job ja. by the way if job ja doesn't know what he has to do by now then nobody's going to get to jo- get through to job ja, okay <laughs> i'm just saying this was this was a wasted opportunity and it's so small that people are going to make fun of me for, for being this mad for it. And I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm frustrated. No, I'm not going to make fun
2: of you. I just think you're wrong. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Shit. Tell me I'm wrong. Craft, you've got your
2: platform. Yeah. So here, let me counter that. So, uh, and again, I'm going through a lot of assumptions. One is that I don't necessarily think we're, I, I, nec- I don't necessarily think we're done. Uh, I, our, our previous conversation with the tra- the trade exception. But- my, my biggest thing is you named eight guys, and I, I agree with you. So, this is where, you know, for effect, I said you were wrong, but I agree with you. I'd rather have all of those eight guys than Derek Rose. But here's the fact none of those guys were signing with us. And it's not, and I actually think we are a contender, just like some of those teams they signed with. I, I think we are unattractive right now to a lot of teams, as we've talked about. I don't think we're well loved around the league. I think people, uh, are thrown by the jaw situation. I think that uh, that guys want to go somewhere where they're going to play, and I think Seth Curry looks and says, "Well, I could go to the Grizzlies, but once Jaw comes back, I'm looking at who's on the team. I'm not going to get major minutes. I look at the Mavs and I sign a short contract that I'm underpaid because I'm going to go to the Mavs. I'm going to play a ton. I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, get a lot of plays called for me." And so I'm going to make a lot of money on my next contract. And I think that's why the Suns got all these two-year minimum deals from guys that could have made a little bit more, because they're thinking, I'm going to be able to be in that eight, nine-man rotation. I'm going to get playing time. And I don't think the Grizzlies could promise any of those guys their time in the eight to nine-man rotation. And so I think we saw that, saw the market for wings, and I think we decided uh, honestly, and, and I think you, you might be right. We got to wait on the second year, but I think we decided we're just going to get a guy who can fill in for the first 25 games for jaw and Oh, intangibles. He can be a mentor for jaw. Jaw likes him. There's some things there. Uh, I also, you know, another interesting thing that this kind of goes with Marcus smart is that despite everybody's desire for shooting, um, You know, despite Matt going to have a you know going to freak out and scream at his computer for us continuing to not sign people that that can't that can shoot. I think we we for whatever reason value playmaking and defense more. We just do. Everybody we went after is playmaking defense. Uh, We we're not going after shooting. Maybe the market they just see the market as being too high for shooting right now. But I think that's why we went after Derrick Rose is because we just we. In a sense, got a third point guard who, in a pinch, can also play with Jaw. Who's good defensively? Who's a playmaker? And, and also, along with Marcus Smart, good finisher around the rim. Um, so I think that's that. I think that's what we did. I think we'll never know. Like you're in, in other words, some of those eight guys could have been better. I just don't think we could have signed them all. And that's that's my point is I just think I think people look at us and think we already go ten eleven deep, and it's going to be hard to get in our rotation. And I think and I think that's why we struggled uh, we're gonna struggle getting free agents, except for wings, and all of them cost thirty million plus. That's my like assessment.
1: Here's where I'll push back. All right. I think okay, Patty Mills was one that you didn't have to rely on him to decide. You could have decided for him because he was in that Dylan Brooks trade and is it gonna end up in Houston? So like you could have gotten Patty Mills and he's on the he like I said, he's expiring, has six point eight this year. I think he could have been a great third, fourth point guard on the roster, and can you know he can hit a shot. He's been around the block. He's a veteran. To me, he has all the ingredients. So that's one. But he's terrible I defensively. Think, of sure, compared to Derrick Rose, I, and I that's know. totally fine. And I'm telling you, like, I don't. This guy might not get any minutes, and you're right about that. Like, you want to have like, but I also think that if you offered the full non taxpayer mid-level exception 12 million dollars to six of these guys I think one of them is biting and I'd be happy with it because it, you can not you can basically make the second year a team option so it's effectively just a one- year deal and then if you want to get crazy in the trade deadline you have yet another salary slot that you can include in a deal that would be uh, those guys matching salary like even this is crazy but I would have rather had you to want for 10 year 10 million dollars this one year. Than Derrick Rose these two years, like that's how, that's how. Yeah, so Derrick Rose about. is so much
2: better. Derrick Rose now is so much better than Udonis is ever going to be. I know that he has a huge three point percentage. He's just he's not he's not good to me. We had him. I've watched him. I just Derek Rose not, can't play, not, and is not going to play for us. It's better for him to go to the Suns where he's actually going to play. He won't play for us. I don't think he would have taken a ten million dollar contract from us because i think he knows More money he's fun he to be on tv all the time and he's going to be playing actual minutes. Craft craft why did, why
0: did rose only play 27 games last season?
2: Because he has some injuries. Why, why couldn't
0: he get minutes? Why couldn't well, he 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 also, minutes with f- well, because
2: because he also plays for the Knicks where they play their starters like 40 minutes. So it's, so if you're not in the top five, six, seven 6 7 guys in a rotation, you just don't play for Thibodeau. Like and and i so Obviously, some of that is injury. I agree. So he's well rested. He's
0: just going to be well if, rested. If Derrick
2: Rose played. is injured for the first twenty-five games of the season, then then yes, this is a real. This was a bad signing. Do you expect if, him to if, start for the start of the season? If he miss, if he can't play for the games that Jaw is suspended, then I think this was not a good signing. Um, but you know, but he's in our but starting five. I think there's Game other one, things. Derrick
0: Rose is starting in Jaw's spot we got a 34 year old ja instead of ja
2: No 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 I think I think we he's going to play backup for us So he'll
1: I play, think Marcus Smart would probably back up to smart
2: one. Yeah he'll back up to smart he'll he'll play 12 13 minutes again at, at the beginning of the season maybe but I think that's like but he's also like in case you know Marcus Smart or Bane get injured and then we'll play Derrick Rose some so because he's he's a ball handler um And that's you know I just think that's what we saw. I do think there there seems to be, you know, rightly or wrongly, with our front office, we drafted a guy in the second round who's who has ties to Jaw from South Carolina. You know, we've we put all of our like hustle roster spots with some Jaw guys. We have summer league roster spots with some Jaw guys, and yes, we brought in a guy with some kind of Jaw connection. Jaw's hero. You know, I don't know if that's just kind of, you know, that stuff that you know, that for, for Calkins to write about or for you know for papers to write about, but or not. But I think that is somewhat they want they wanted to bring in vets with experience, and that mattered more than actual on court. Like the off court mattered more, I think, in this signing than the on court. And and I also do think that we like I, I'm excited because I think in three or four years when we're really awesome and we've you know won a couple titles. And we're like the Warriors, and we're trying to find uh, ways to stay under the second apron of the tax. We're going to be doing the stuff that, you know, these other teams are doing, and guys are going to want to come play with us because they can be the ninth or 10th man in rotations, get on TV. But I think right now we have a deep team. We want to play a lot of our younger guys. So, you know, I mean, again, I agree with Will. That's – it's like an argument, like, but we don't know what we could have done. And we don't know – I just – I find it hard to believe if we could have gotten, like, Eric Gordon – we wouldn't have gotten Eric Gordon. I just find that hard to believe. I just think Eric Gordon was like, "I'm gonna go play, I'm gonna go ring chase and play with some buddies, and I don't want to be around a young team anymore because, like, I wanted, you know, I wanted to die playing for the Houston Rockets last year. Like, I just think that's more what this is about. Um, but yeah, you know.
1: I think I agree overall with that argument in terms of we don't know who we could or could not have gotten. I do feel as though. With this whole – with jaw suspension, after the first five games, you're allowed to sign a player for 20 games just in in that spot, and they can only – you can only sign them for 20, and then they're done. Like, that's where I would have signed Derrick Rose to. Like, just wait for that. Maybe not – don't fill that – don't fill a 15th roster spot. And if this is two years guaranteed, I'm just saying, like, that's going to be really infuriating. It's going to be Kennedy Chandler all over again, where you just have dead money on your cap in a year that you're going to pay the tax, and it's going to – If it doesn't keep Robert Pera of making the same moves, great. Like, it's not my money, it's his. So, like, if he decides... But if that ever is in the calculus for, okay, just because we made these two mistakes, we can't do this other thing that's going to help our team win, that's when I'm going to be pretty upset. And obviously, we're not privy to those conversations, but we can read between the lines when that day comes. So, I'm just saying, at the outset, I don't love it. And I think there's other things I would have rather done. uh, And that's where I stand.
0: Guys, um... The last time that we had a pod, it was you know mere days after getting Maka Smat, and um, I was actually in Cape Cod, you know, doing on on the ground research um, in Smat's um, you know local area, and I am not gonna lie, man, it, it it like felt like they had just traded Zebo or something, like I am not I like every. I, you know, I didn't talk to like 30 people, but I probably mentioned it to, you know, five, ten. Like, I was like, oh, I'm from Memphis, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we just got smart. It's kind of crazy. And, dude, they were sad. And it's really funny because I know that, like, there's obviously, you know, famous Boston people that have podcasts of record where, you know, they're fans too. And and they're sort of – it feels like they just got rid of Dylan. Um, it's the closest comparison that I can come to. Uh but other than that side, you know, I sort of mentioned that was the research and you know the cliffhangers was like, yeah, they he really mattered. Okay, cool. Um, but you know, I sort of feel like, and and I'm just gonna say this because I can I've gotten some questions from folks, who's like, what do you sort of generically think about this? And as I've just sort of like sat back and thought, like, okay, after when John returns, you know, 25 games in. Um, and we start to see, like, what does this lineup really look like with all of our team, I just sort of feel like Marcus is going to benefit from not having to carry this playmaking load. I know you all talked about this some, but I sort of feel like he's going get, to get back into the role that he really is meant to be as a basketball player, where he can playmake some. He's not like, you know, you don't necessarily question, um, although maybe we should question Desmond Bage um, dribble, playmaking some, um, particularly at the end of the games, um, but maybe not as much as like a one Jalen Brown, where that sort of be, is kind of part of his MO. Um, at times, you know, as awesome as Tatum is, he does sort of seem to just go missing at times. And that, I think, sort of put a weight on Smart to playmake more than at times um, than maybe he had to. And so, I don't know. I've just sort of start I have started to feel very generically encouraged about just like that principle that assuming health, assuming that, you know, Triple J is an upgrade to, um, you know, this, the center positions that that Boston have, right? Um, you know, we don't have a Jason Tatum necessarily, but we kind of have a Jalen Brown type. We have a we have a true point guard, uh, assuming that Jock is able to play and come back to his true self. Um, and so I just am sort of excited about, you know, after a quarter of the way through, like actually seeing like, Will he be able to save his legs? Will he be able to play in in more of a team defensive orientation? And by the way, I think that we are going to just feel – there's this this last Dylan Brooks comment before he comes back to the grindhouse um, in a Houston jersey is that, like, we just were used to his defensive prowess on just, like, you know, just taking the best player and just guarding them and, you know – Face guarding and doing all that stuff. And Ty laid that out so perfectly that I think having a a defensive player like Smart, who's a good team defensive player, it's just going to open up this new side of of defense for us that we've just never seen before and haven't been able to see in a really long time. That I'm just really, I've gotten very excited about both of those prospects with him sort of fitting in from a puzzle piece perspective. But I think it's going to take a while. I don't think we're going to necessarily see that. I think he's going to have to carry that burden like he was doing with Boston with us to, at the beginning to not, you know, lose seating. We need to sort of maintain and tread water a bit um, before Ja comes back. But I guess I wanted to kick it over to you guys because maybe we've had a, a week or so since we've talked. How is sort of the smart fitting in with this team marinated? Is there any new thoughts that you haven't shared before we get into summer league and talk some general trends on the NBA? Well, I'll let you go
2: first.
1: Yeah, I think from two perspectives it's continued to age well. I think first from a overall market standpoint, I didn't see any trades so far made that I felt like we realistically could have been involved with. I said that I would be able to judge this Marcus Smart trade more clearly once we had seen a ton of the signings go through to say like if there was a, a wing who could, who could shoot and defend that we could have gotten for the price of Tyus in two seconds, or excuse me, two firsts, then I would have been a little bit disappointed that we didn't go after that wing instead of another combo guard. That hasn't happened. And in fact, you look at a guy like Jeremy Grant who just signed for five years, 160, that's what these wings are going for these days. And so I think from a market standpoint, it's aged really well already. And you look at his con- his contract, signed for another three years, the most he's going to make is like 21 million. Awesome. Secondly, from just a fit standpoint, you're exactly right. I think he's going to come in immediately and fill in that uh, you know first overall defender on the, uh, you know, from one to fours, I think he's going to be able to do it all. I said it on our pod, uh, the draft night. He has a 6'9 wingspan. Dylan Brooks had a 6'6 wingspan. So just put that in perspective. He's going to bring the dog. Yes, we still need shooting. I have I just went through that uh, in our last conversation topic. But I think everything else he brings is just going to fit like a glove. So I'm still excited from a fit and a market standpoint about Marcus Smart.
2: Yeah, and I'd just say that you know, again, it seems like, and I'll be interested to see. I'm very intrigued that uh, that our front office or just you know, and our coaching staff seem to we we talk about shooting all the time. They seem to really talk about playmaking a lot, and they seem to really prize the upgrade and playmaking from Dylan to Smart more so than the upgrade in shooting. Although I think what you see both in playoffs and then honestly on open shots, I think he is way. He he is an improvement now. It's not a massive improvement, but he's an improvement um, on Dylan in that as well. The other thing that is, you know, I mean, the 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 pay the the two picks. I just think, you know, when we see Boston not even stay at you know at twenty five in the draft and move back and get a bunch of second rounders, and then all I've heard for the last two weeks is how weak the twenty twenty four draft is and how everybody's like not really excited about any prospects uh, for next year. And, uh, you know, makes me even feel even better about, you know, moving off the Golden State Warriors pick, Uh, you know, and obviously, uh, and and everything says and everything feels like the Warriors too, like a one last season, like a last dance type feeling from them. That's that that makes me feel like, you know, again, injuries happen. They could struggle, but at least I know incentive wise motivation, they're going to try to have a really good record next year in the regular season. So I just think those things also, to everything Will said, um, made me feel really good about it. I'm like, and I agree. I think the more and more you you get removed and you hear listen to Celtics fans and and you feel better and better about this trade. And um, you know, if anything, I just think we got better ultimately. Marcus Smart is a better NBA player than Dylan Brooks. We'll see about fit. We'll see all that other stuff. But like already, I look and I think you know we our biggest issue in the playoffs got got removed and we replaced him with a very proven guy who, in my opinion, does everything that Dylan does a little bit better, and I think some things way better. And so I think it was great.
0: Yeah, agreed. Well, um, I know we're all looking forward to seeing him uh, take on a Grizzlies jersey. And speaking of Grizzlies jerseys, we will actually be able to see a Memphis Grizzlies jersey play basketball, uh, if you're listening to this, on Monday. There is a basketball game happening Monday evening. Uh, the, the Summer League is actually beginning July 3rd, which is Monday night. We play against the Philadelphia 76ers you can catch those games on NBA TV. Uh, tip-off is actually at six o'clock, or 7 o'clock Eastern time. Um, then the Grizzlies play on the 5th and then the 6th. And this is the Salt Lake Summer League before they actually head to Las Vegas, um, where Will Walker will actually be recording Grizzden episodes live from Las Vegas every day, bringing you fresh content. Boots on the ground. From Vegas, getting all of the Wimby versus Kenny Lofton Jr. prospects, which we're actually not slated to play San Antonio, but if we match them in the playoffs, then you know that KL Jr. and Wimby are going at it um, because we've seen those highlights in the past. Um, and there was a bit of news when the Grizzlies released their summer league roster um, there is a notable player who was left off, that is Zaire Williams. Um, but, guys, do you want to talk about Zaire? Or do you just want to talk about how excited you are to see Kenny Lofton Jr. wreck everybody in Summer League because you know he's going for 30 every game?
1: Listen, Zaire Williams, he's MIA from the Summer League roster, and he's been MIA from this team for over a year. So, what's new? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, I hope he's in one of these sign-and-trade uh, tweets that we see pretty soon. Like, I, yes, okay, We're going to we're gonna have
2: to bring the NSYNC back here. So, uh, you know, we're hoping... We're bah, hoping... Bah, bah. He, yeah, he's hoping.
0: You over him?
1: I've heard the rumors about rehab and schedules. I know that he had tendonitis. He's growing a lot. Good for him. I just... I'm over it. I don't know what their play is by not bringing him to any of these summer league games. This is the 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 most important summer league guy, in my opinion, if he were on this roster, he would say that that is the one guy I'm really watching this summer, and yet he's not there. So I think that's the number one story. But if we want to talk about the guys that are actually on this roster, I think the uh, the top. Let's we'll st- we'll really stop. Be wa- we'll stop for real. Okay. Yeah.
0: Do y'all really think that this means we're done? Like Zaire, that he's out. Like, does that is that? No. Okay. No, like, I
1: percentage. think I don't. I think he's injured. Which is a problem. Like, that's that's its own problem. And he played Great in the playoffs. Like, let's remember, he's, play, he's played in the playoffs. So, like, it's not as if this was an injury that was lingering from the end of the season. Like, this is it, – it's either tendinitis, which is very concerning long term, or he's just really injury prone, and that's worrisome by itself. Or I mean, the conspiracy theorists would say we're keeping him as healthy as possible in the event that there is a trade that pops up. But I don't know if that's the case. I think they've invested too much, and it would be too embarrassing for this front office to move on so quickly. Not that they wouldn't. I hope that they do. But, yeah, I don't think it's – I'm not on the conspiracy side completely.
0: Okay. Well, I think it, it's – what's what I am, I was – you know, in, in all realities, I obviously am well-documented in loving Kenny Lawson Jr. Um, but I do think it is interesting for us to focus maybe on one Jake LaRavia, who the Memphis Grizzlies – Spent their 19th overall pick in the 2022 draft, um, selecting him out of Wake Forest. You've heard the buzz. You know, a lot of the players are talking him up, a la Santi Aldama from last year. Um, I guess, guys, what would you expect to see from Jake in the summer league that would make you see what the players are seeing uh, from a performance perspective to think, oh, maybe he can be a, a contributing factor for this team like Santi was for us last season. I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, obviously you would love to see him hit shots, but, you know, as as we like to talk about, you know, shot variance, that happens for me. A lot of it is just the vibe, the confidence. Does he not just look like he belongs out there, but he looks like, oh, we need to shut him down. He doesn't need, like, he doesn't need to be at Summer League. He's way better than all these guys. Mm. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm hoping to see that from Roddy, too. I think it's also with with both of them, but especially with Laravia. like, what what have they have they added some strength? Have they added some stuff to their game since the season ended? Like, what have they been doing for the last three months? Uh, but for me, with Laravia, it is a lot of it's like a vibe. Like a like, is he going to come out there and make me think? Okay, he's a rotation guy next year. Like he's going to fight his way into that top nine ten uh, next year because of the way he's playing. Is he going to be that way? That's kind of, you know, so it's a lot of, like, vibe. I mean, obviously we'd love to see him uh, hit shots like everybody says that, you know, he's Bane-like in practice and he doesn't miss. We would like to see that actually on the court. Uh, But at the same time, I can recognize if the shot looks good and it's just, you know, something like that. But he's the way he's moving on the court, the way he's playing looks really good, um, then I'll be excited. Um, But that's kind of what I'm looking for, just sort of, this sort of like I'm an NBA player sense um, and not just, and and that he's no longer feels rookie-ish.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be the most important player in terms of development in this summer league. I think that we know what Roddy can be. We saw what happened when he was given opportunity. And the truth is that LaRavia and Roddy are, I mean, if you don't count Zaire, are kind of the two that we've, invested in for the future of our wing position and it's not as if they're the only two that we can rely on we can mix and match with smart we can play big if we want with santi on the wing but those two guys we're relying on heavily and we need to see especially laravia we know that he's a flamethrower i want to see more aggression in playmaking i want him to be calling his own number more I think he just deferred a lot, which is fine, because early on you're on a team with John ja Morant, Desmond Bain, you're going to defer. But let's see some regression. This is, you know, when you're in, we've seen what can happen when, when guys come in with confidence. Uh, and there's also, if we want to move to any other players as well, mm-hmm. Yeah, go know, ahead. With, with Roddy and Junior, I think we, those are known quantities in my opinion, and we want to see just more of what they do well. Uh, you know, Lofton, you want to see some more defense, obviously. I don't have a lot of confidence in that area that we're going to see it. Roddy, I have the most hope in out of, out of the wings on our roster, the young wings on our roster, and I'm excited to see. I want him to be out of place at Summer League, meaning that he is too good to be on the floor. Vince Williams, we've obviously invested in him as well, so would love to see a bit more. But overall, I mean, the, the other interesting players to watch, if you're not familiar with with some of these guys – you know, Gigi Jackson we drafted. He's a raw project. He'll, he'll be fun. But Matthew Hurt from Duke, 6'9", uh, plays the wing position. Uh, he's he's going to be on our G League roster. Uh, and then also Joel Ayayi, I think is how you say his name. He went to Gonzaga. He's a combo guard and was just a really good player in college. And so I'm looking at those two guys, apart from who we've already rostered on the summer league team, and maybe even hoping some other – I mean, we have a Frankie Ferrari – on our team. So he's going to be hard not to watch a guy named Frankie Ferrari as well. So we'll see yeah. how many minutes, but yeah, I'll be boots on the ground. I'll, I'll be reporting back after each, each day. Yeah. And I believe, and
2: so Gilliard, uh, played for the Memphis Hustle. I believe led the G league in assists per game, um, last year. And so he's going to be a guy I expect that is going to start and get us in the offense. And we're going to be running a lot of plays for him to get assists to, Junior, Roddy, and, and, of course, Laravia. And I think – I feel like that's – and, you know, and it maybe Vince Williams too. But I feel like we're very much getting in guys who are going to kind of keep the ball moving and we really want to see our wings, you know, produce. And, uh, and obviously, you know, we want to see Lofton Jr. do some fun stuff too. You know, like it'll be good. You know, I mean, there's been all sorts of rumors about weight and where he is. And so it'll just be good to see what kind of shape he's in too. Um, you know, because, again, nobody doubts his ability to score the basketball – or honestly, play make on the offensive end. And so I'm going to be also looking to see if Junior uh, can just not be a defensive, uh, just liability, just a disaster, honestly, and can keep up that end of the court. Especially when we're playing against like in Vegas, I think we're going to play a couple of the teams like Clippers who really love to like have a bunch of like 25 to 30 year olds play for them, and so it'll be good to see him. See if he can just you know own some, get rebound better, play really good defense because we know offense is not a problem for him. Like he he is he is a he can score in the NBA. Uh, the issue is going to be can he stay on the court uh, defensively. So
0: yeah, yeah. Well, the NBA doesn't stop, so summer league is starting back. Um, can get you moderately excited for the upcoming oh, season. And one other
2: thing, I just wanted to throw a shout out to Will because I believe and this was in a report, so but. I believe that they're going to stream some of the Utah games on Grind City Media. So even if you don't have NBA TV, uh, I believe you're going to be able to stream them on Grind- the Grind City Media app, uh, which is kind of talking about – we had a conversation a long time ago, one of my favorite ones, about what we're going to do in this Valley situation. And so I'm I'm also just kind of monitoring what this Grind City Media streaming is going to look like and if it's them testing out potential um, – you know, straight-to-the-consumer uh, DTC options for watching the Grizzlies next year. So just want to throw that in there, a little nerdy uh, thing, but, but I thought it was intriguing that they're going to they're gonna stream some of them on the app.
1: Yep, and we're not going to spend too long on this, but I'll say this is a perfect podcast topic for August when we're done with Summer League and have a big break, but uh, this is obviously a test for, for what's to come, and I think also you're seeing teams like Utah who are offering their games on local TV as well as an app that they're developing as well for streamers. So this is this is happening across the NBA and I think it's going to happen with Grizzlies. But hopefully, you know, T B D on If It Goes Well will be will be uh, you know staying very invested in that story moving forward.
0: I right, guys to close, a lot's been happening in the NBA through um, we and we've sort of mentioned some of them through the top. I'll let each of you pick around two to three just kind of like big things that have happened. It can be a player, it can be some trends, some things that you're seeing in the Western Conference or in the NBA, just to sort of like put on notice, um, because I do think there's been some evolution that's happened that we it would be appropriate for us to begin to call out. Um, it cannot be doing like soundbite drops in the background to hint at where you want to go play your next um, uh, stint of your career. Um will go first what are some things that you're saying that you want our people to be aware of
1: i have a take that i'm you know sitting on it's not all the way out there but masai ujiri washed oh okay washed you see fred van vliet leave to go to the rockets for what is it three or four 130 i think uh you see uh, Masai's, the reports that he, so I think Maury and Masai together, I think they both might be a little washed because you see gone are the days where you're going to, where you're going to trade a guy. Like I think Rudy Gobert has now just completely put these GMs on notice of the um, trading every single draft pick that you have in the future for a guy who is not a bona fide like top five in the league player. And I think that's what Masai has started to ask for when it comes to OG and Anobi. I think not trading him has been a huge mistake from that standpoint. I think Pascal Siakam, who's going to be commanding an extension here pretty soon. He is not a number one option on a really good team. And you're seeing that borne out. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I love Darko, our, our our coach that just went to Toronto, but I think he's inheriting a roster that might become a little Wizards-ish, which is not a good thing. You do not want to be on the treadmill of mediocrity, and I think for too long, Messiah has been trying to keep this core of what he had, when really he brought in a, a rental of Kawhi Leonard and all those pieces meshed together beautifully for that one year, but Kawhi Leonard when he's healthy, is a top five, in my opinion, NBA player. And so that just that's why it all worked, is because he has a group of fully complementary players. But when that guy was gone, you've seen what's happened. When you have just a bunch of guys that should be number two options on good teams. And I think Masai's just waited way too long. He made a mistake by trading a first-round pick for Yaka Pertl, which he just had to extend. And he's, Yaka Pertl's going to be making 17 $19, 20000000 million dollars for the next three years. What are we doing here? I just don't. I, a lot of red flags from Toronto, and it's good for the rest of the league because for a long time Masai was considered to be this really, you know, he was he was basically the bar as a GM. And I think seeing some of these moves just kind of screw over what they have going on in Toronto. Uh, I'm just, I'm just on alert. Okay, just sitting on that take.
0: All right, Kraft. What's your next take? Okay, so my
2: my take. Uh, just very quickly because of the positive spin that's going on, uh I'll just tell you right now. Uh I don't know I you know I don't even know if the over-unders are out. So blind under. Suns, Lakers, both of them. Right now, I'm telling you right now, both of them I'm going under. Nothing they I'm blind under. Uh both of it's ridiculous. It's like it's like the media every year. People forget what's going on. And I got on here last year and, and, you know, we were very right on a lot of our takes from last summer, everybody coming out that like, you know, once again, for like the forever year in a row, a team's going to make a a conference final because of luck uh, injuries, good breaks and guys playing over their head and everybody's going to freak out and overvalue them. It was the Mavs last year. Uh, It was the Hawks the year before that. It's going to be the Lakers again this year. Um, who knows even when LeBron's going to start playing again in the season? Uh, like great, you know they they brought a lot of their guys back. I, I did the Touring Prince signing was a was a good signing for the value. Um, I, I I think I liked that deal. Uh, but they brought back a team that got swept pretty easily by the eventual title favorites, who I believe if healthy, um, you know would not have gotten bad out of the first round if the Grizzlies were healthy. And and guess what? LeBron's a year older. Anthony Davis still can't play a lot of regular season games. Um, similar to the Suns, um, you know, they've gotten lucked, They've lucked out in that a lot of people are banking. A lot of guys banked on, we're going to take minimum contracts. They're short-term. We're going to get a lot of uh, eyeballs on us and get on TV a lot, and then we're going to be worth more in the offseason. And, and maybe that's going to work out. I, I know this. They only have, uh, you know, with Eric Gordon signing, again, he's old. But they have like maybe four actual good rotation NBA players, um, all of whom have in major injury issues. All of whom, for them to have B500, are going to have to play 38 to 40 minutes a game. And that just is not going to happen the regular season. Now, again, Lakers and Suns will see where they are come in the playoffs. I'm just talking about regular season blind under. Um, I don't think these are title teams. I do think they can, you know, win 8-12 games potentially if they have all their health luck. Uh, but it's just – it's like, again, the media, again, all the buzz will be on these like, quote, super teams uh, with paper-thin depth and, and some, some old aging injury-ridden stars uh, or drama, you know. Uh, and, and it just it happens every year. It's happened again this year. So that, that's my big take. All
0: right, Will, what's your next one?
1: Yeah, I just think uh, that I am still wondering what OKC's plan is. Like, the fact that they just took another bad contract. Like, do they just want to be bad forever? Like, I don't understand. If I were an OKC Thunder fan at this point, it's just, a, a, again, Presti. I, I'm just hated on the smart GMs did on you, this did podcast. You, did he, yeah,
2: I think washed was a word you used earlier. Might apply again Listen,
1: no, I'm I'm not quite there with Presty. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I, I want to have jobs. Sec- I want to have job security like Sam Presti has job security. Okay, I just, I mean, Chet could end up being awesome, and we'll see this year how he looks. That's actually a guy I'm really excited to see at summer league. By the way, I will be attending an OKC game, but I just don't get it. I'm I'm, I'm still wondering what they're going to. I mean, Shea has got to be so sick of this situation. Um, I don't think their pieces fit together. They have like five guards that they start, and Chet, they're have, heavily relying on him uh, to be really good in this situation. If he's not, then they're they're in trouble. Uh, and I'll just say this too, overall, and this will be kind of my, my last note around the, the league, I agree with Kraft on the quote-unquote stacked super teams here, not buying it. And I also think everybody just kind of made lateral moves. I don't think there's any – like, even Boston getting Porzingis, I mean, do we feel confident that that's going to be an upgrade on what they've had? And the others Losing just splashes. <laughs> but, like, for instance, Portland, obviously it's really important what they're going to do with Dame, and but they're not going to be really good. Houston has tried to accelerate their improvement, but I don't. they're going to go from terrible to maybe average. Like, there's just not a team Denver that I'm got super worse. worried about. Denver Denver did worse. get worse. Yeah, they they lost Bruce Brown. Uh, lost they lost Jeff Green. Jeff Green. He I mean, three really. as important as you know, <laughs> that's shocking that he's important, but he was. And so I just think everybody else made lateral moves, and the the bad teams got marginally better. Besides Washington and maybe Portland, but we'll see. I just think it's the door is still going to be open, and I'm excited already for our preview when we're looking across the league and seeing what happens when all these deals are finally done.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think the one the one thing will be, you know, last year, obviously, we played in a division where the all four of the other teams, we played four times, were terrible. Um, You know, two of them were good for a little bit. You know, the Mavs and the, the Pelicans were worse than they should have been. Um, but this is a year where I feel like uh, we'll see with the Blazers. The Blazers might end up being a tanking team. Uh, after they get rid of Dame, we'll see. It's hard when you sign guys like Jeremy Grant, though. But but uh, but I, I do think that there's going to be less easy wins in the West. Like uh, you know that every team is going to be tough in the West. So so that'll be interesting to see the parity in the West. Like all the really bad teams are going to be in the East at the bottom of the East next year. It looks like for right now, we'll see. Blazers might be added to that list. And so, but I, I think the big great news if you're a Grizzlies fan is you look at our season. I mean. It couldn't have gone worse from an on-court, off-court perspective with Jaw. Uh, obviously, the injuries we've talked about forever. We like never had our starting five at all. I do think the Dylan position was upgraded. I don't think anybody below us. Like I think the Kings uh, have not done anything to move the needle. Uh, like you said, I think the Suns and the Lakers haven't gotten any better, and you know the Nuggets have gotten worse. I mean, despite what the Nuggets fans want to say. They are going to be very reliant on Porter Jr. You can't – Porter Jr. sucked some games in the playoffs and they could take him out and they could put Brown in or Jeff Green in. They don't have that that luxury anymore. Like if Porter Jr. is going to be bad, they're going to – they're not going to – they're going to lose playoff games. And so it will be interesting to see what happens. But all that said is we were the two seed. I don't think any team came and said we're going to challenge – the top of the West and the, the team that was better than us last year in the West got a little worse. And so in that sense, I think you can feel pretty good about a Grizzlies fan. Um, obviously we're missing jaw for 25 games. And we're going to have to see how that shakes out. Um, obviously we still feel like we, we need a wing. Most people feel that way or more shooting. And so we'll see where we are um, at the beginning of the season. Then we'll see where we are again after the trade deadline. But I think if you're a Grizzlies fan, you got to be excited. that nobody made that there was no earth shaking moves Uh, that created some kind of favorite other than just the nuggets who got slightly worse.
0: Yep. Well guys, this has been a great episode. Appreciate y'all joining. Um, We've covered a lot of ground, still lots of things happening. Who knows? This podcast could be irrelevant in like 48 hours. Maybe who knows? Hopefully that's not the case um, because there's some good stuff here. And if you've tuned in this long, then we know that you just kudos to you. All the stuff we've you've lasted through at least this is a good fourth of,
2: good travel Fourth of July podcast. That's
0: exactly right. Hey, maybe that should be the tee up right there. It's just craft. This is a good Fourth of July tea podcast. Fantastic! But for craft, for Will, for me, I'm Brantley, and it's good to talk to you again. And uh, appreciate everyone. Y'all have a good uh, Independence Day, not Fourth of July. Um, it is on the fourth. Independence Day is, <laughs> and um, we'll talk to y'all again, again soon. Watch every summer league game. All back. Bye.